Let's get started. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. And we are Where is the Rulebook? We're going to bring you a weekly board game walkthrough for your lunch break or daily commute. This season one of Where is the Rulebook? We'll be focusing on games to get you started in the world of board gaming or just any staple for a game night. We will be walking you through the rulebooks of some of the most loved board games known by all. In today's episode, we introduce a new game, we'll give you some general information about it, then we'll talk about how you win, what it takes to set it up, actions each player can take per turn, and what causes the game to come to an end. We have laid out a few examples that you will see when playing the game, and we're going to play those through with you. Then we'll get a little more personal, talk about our strategies, our opinions of the game, and if we recommend you guys picking this game up. For today's game, your village was destroyed and you barely had time to get away. You travel across a scorching desert, frozen peaks, and even paddled across a dangerous sea. Then you found it, the perfect place to make your new home. But as soon as you build your first house, you discover a network of caves underground brimming with treasures. How could you limit your village to just above ground? Come join us today as we play Above and Below. On the box, Above and Below will take roughly 90 minutes to play, and you can play it from two to four players. Board Game Geek does recommend three. And the game can be classified as a city building, economic, exploration, and farming game. Now, where is the rule book? And once you open the box, you'll find the rule book, the encounter book, a reputation board, four player boards, and colored cubes that go with each player, seven dice, You'll find goods, cider, and potion tokens, the round marker, coins of varying value, and you'll find the 36 villagers you can hire. You'll also have a couple decks. These cards will have different backs depending on if they're above or below. There are caves, house cards that have keys or stars on them, but most importantly, you have starting house cards that every player gets at the beginning. To set the game up, each player gets a player board and their player cube. Every player gets seven coins to start, but depending on the number of players you're playing with, someone might get extra coins. Each player gets a starting house card and one of each type of the starting villagers. Place the villagers in the large grass area on the left of your player board. Again, if you're playing with different number of players, these players might go in different spots on the board. Then you're going to place the six star house cards face up on the table in a row. Shuffle the nine key house cards and draw four of them randomly. Placing them in a row, face up, below the star house cards. Put the rest of them back in the box. Put the reputation board in the center of the table. Put the special villagers aside. They have a triangle symbol on the back. And the rest of the villagers face down in a pile. Draw five and put them along the top of that reputation board. Next, we're going to place the round marker on the top chamber in the line of seven caves on the reputation board. Put the coins, goods, cider, and potion tokens near the side of the board. This will be the supply and put one cider token on the reputation board at the cider symbol. Shuffle the cave cards and place them in a pile next to the reputation board. Then you get to decide who goes first. The rule book does not tell you who goes first. So you get to decide and give that player the first player card. Shuffle the house and outpost cards. Place them in two piles face down just below the reputation board. Drawing four of each and putting those face up. Then just make sure you have that encounter book and the dice near to the play area because you're going to need those pretty soon. As far as what you can do in your turn, above and below is played in rounds. Each round, players take turns assigning their villager to take actions based on the options on the villager token. These are symbols at the top of the villager. When a player wishes to take no more actions in the round, 
they state they wish to pass. When all players have passed, the round ends. This means some players will sometimes have more turns than others. And there's a number of actions you can choose to take. These actions will include exploring, building, harvesting, train, or laboring. Each turn, you only can do one action, and you get multiple turns per round, like Joe says. So the first one we're going to talk about is the explore action. That's you explore underground caves. This does require at least two villagers to go on the explore action. You draw a cave card, you roll a die, and the player to your left will look up the encounter in the encounter book based on the number that you roll. However, that player will only read the story, the option, and the difficulty. They leave out anything in parentheses or anything that might be a failure on that encounter. So after they read the encounter book, you get to choose an option and which one you want to try to get. And you will look at your villagers that are exploring and you look at how many dice you get to roll and what, how many lanterns you get per dice. So some villagers, if you roll two or more, you might only get one lantern. Other villagers might have two lanterns if you roll three. So you roll the dice, you count up your number of lanterns, and you see if you meet the explore action and the encounter. If you do, you succeed and you get those items. If you don't, you fail. There's two options to fail. Some encounters do have the failure description. If no failure is, is described in the book, your players just go into the exhaust area on your playmat and you, you go to the next player's turn. Some of the other actions you can do include building. Building essentially lets you spend coins to build new houses. You slide a villager that has the hammer symbol from your ready area to the exhausted area on your game board. You will pay with coin to buy any building that you can afford. You can build above buildings anytime, but you can only build below buildings in an empty cave area after you succeeded exploring. Another one of the actions you can take is harvest. This lets you harvest goods from your houses or your outposts. To do this, you slide one villager from the ready area to the exhausted area. You take one good from a house or outpost that you own. Then you place that good next to your coins and keep it for later. At this point, you can place it for sale on the top left of your player board, or you can place it in the advancement track on the bottom of your player board. Next, you can train. Train lets you acquire a new villager. You can slide a villager that has the quill symbol to the exhausted area on your game board. You pay the cost and coin for the villager based on the number below them on the reputation board. You'll place that villager in your exhausted area and you'll be able to use it next round. And the last action is the labor. And for this, you just use any villager and you're gonna gain some coins from them. So sliding one villager or more from the ready area to the exhaust and you gain one coin per villager. If you are the first player to do the labor action this round, you also get that cider token from the middle of the table. And finally, we have free actions. Free actions don't exhaust a villager. However, they must be performed before any normal action. If you've done a normal action, you cannot take any more free actions this turn. These include buying from a player. When a player has a good for sale in the top left corner of their board, at least three coins to purchase that good. However, the player can refuse to sell the good for any reason. You also can put something up for sale. So on your turn, you can place any of the goods, a cider or a potion for sale in the top left of your corner. You can change this throughout your free actions before you do any actions, but you only can have one item for sale at a time. And you can buy or put as many items for sale as you want before taking an action. So you can buy from every player in the game if you have enough gold. 
So the one free action that you can only do one time per turn is the refresh building row. To do this, you just pay one coin and you replace all four of the available cards in either the house or the outpost. And finally, there's passing. And as soon as you declare I pass, you cannot take any more actions. If you don't have any villagers in your ready area at the start of your turn, you have to pass. However, before declaring I pass, you can take any free actions. Once all the players have passed, that then ends the round. And when you end the round, the first thing you're going to do is slide the round marker down one on the chamber in the middle of that reputation board. If the cider token was taken from the board, you replace that one at the end of the round also. If at any point during anyone's turn they trained a new villager, slide all the villagers that remain on the reputation board to the left, then replacing them from the rightmost column. And then you get to refresh your villagers. You can do this in a few different ways. You can spend a potion or a cider to move someone from the medic to the exhausted or the exhausted to the main area. You also get to move people one spot per bed you have, but you can't move the same villager twice with beds, but you can move the same villager with a potion, then a bed or two potions. And finally, you get to collect income based on your advancement track. You can also collect income from houses or outpost cards that give extra income. Refresh goods on the buildings that note to refresh the goods with an arrow icon, and you pass the first player card to the left for the next round, and that player starts the turn. And any buildings that have goods that have the dots, those items do not refresh throughout the game, so that's a limited number of items on that building. And this game is played over seven rounds. Once the seventh round has passed, the game comes to an end, and the players will count up their village points. Players gain village points for the following. Village points for each good token on the advancement track. And if you have them stacked, you get to count their points multiple times. Each building is worth one village point. Cave cards without outposts do not count for points. You also get points on the reputation board. If you have the most points, you potentially get five victory points just for having the most. But then you also get victory points based on where you are in the track. Some of those are negative points, so those will remove some bonus points that you've had before. You may also get bonus village points on any of the buildings or outposts you have, and those are going to be the hexagons in the bottom. Whoever has the most points wins. In the case of a tie, the player with the most coins wins the tie. If it's still tied, the player with the most villagers wins the tie. And if it's still a tie, the player with the most buildings wins the tie. So new to this episode, we have decided to set up a game in a way that we're going to hit items that might be a little more confusing or just items that you're going to run into that you're going to probably need to open that rule book in the middle of game night for. So we're going to try to help you walk through those items. This game says you decide who goes first. We've decided that Joe's going to go first in this one. And we have everything set up. So we have our three starting villagers, the starting houses. We have our coins and all that good stuff. And we're going to start actually on the very first turn. Um, I think we're going to be able to hit pretty much all the things that we decided on. So let's go ahead and go through it, Joe. I have three villagers. I am going to use two of them to explore. You draw. Yeah. So first you have to draw flipping that cave the, card. Flipping the cave card. And okay, I'm going to roll a one. So I'm going to grab. So I'm going to grab the encounter book. Technically, it's the player to the left. But in our case, there's only two of us. So it's going to be me. Uh, but it does go around the table if you have more players. 
So 165. Joe, you find yourself on the edge of a vast underground stream. It's noisy. It's carving its way through the dark. A small fishing boat lies tethered to one side, and a flimsy bridge invites you to cross. Your two options are going to be getting in the boat, which you need exploring of four. You can also, the same one has an explorer of six option, or you can cross that bridge. Exploring of three or exploring of five. Again, I left out anything in parentheses and anything that might have a if failure notice on this card. So Joe doesn't get to read any of that stuff yet. So my villagers have only the max possible outcome of three because my first villager needs a roll of one at least to get one but it needs a roll of three or more to get two lanterns meanwhile my other guy which i chose the builder uh needs at least a roll of four to get just one wasn't great but let's uh let's go for the boat let's try to get the boat you're gonna get in the boat okay so your wind conditions four which, lanterns or six lanterns which six i think it's gonna six. be really hard <laughs> Let me try. so on the first one i rolled a four so that counts as two lanterns because that lady has three or more. And the second one, I also rolled a four. So that is three lanterns total, which you needed four. So as of right now, you are going to fail this. A special rule that I'm going to do is anytime you want, when you are exploring, you can exert one of your villagers. Basically means you throw them into the medic. They don't get exhausted, but it gives you an extra lantern. So I'm going to do this on my builder to get an extra lantern. So, I have so four. instead of going to the exhausted spot, he's going to the medic spot. Yeah. And you can do that to both villagers, correct? Yes. Okay. You don't need to. I didn't case, need to. You just needed one. So you got a total of four lanterns after you exerted. Uh, so you gained two fish. Oh, excellent. So you got in that fishing boat and you found some fish. And I will choose to put one of those fish on my advancement track. That and so turn. that was a turn uh, for you. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to build a house first. So I'm going to use my builder and I'm going to spend four coins to get this guy here that has... Is that a pair? That's a pair. A pair that actually is going to refresh throughout the time. Now it's back to my turn. I only have one villager left, so I'm actually going to train. So I'll move it over here to Exhausted, and let's see what we have. I am needing of just something cheap. So let me buy the cheapest one. It's two gold, and this villager goes right into my Exhausted area to be used next turn. You bought another builder, huh? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that guy back from the medic. <laughs> so <laughs> I just... take two turns, you get him back, or two rounds, I should say. I mean, I only have three houses thanks to the original house. Yeah. So I'm going to just get back a better builder. <laughs> That's fair. And that's my turn. And then now I'm going to use one of mine to harvest. So I want that pear that I just got off my building. So I'm going to use my quill, my person that could technically train. I'm going to move her over to exhaust and I'm going to grab one of those pears. I'm going to put that in the for sale for now. Unfortunately, on my turn now, I have no more villagers already. So I have to pass, but well, you did put something for sale. You do have a free action. So you I can, can do a free do. action. Would you sell me your pair for three gold coins? Three is the minimum. I feel like I'm going to want four. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I gain your four coins. Perfect. Which puts you down to only having one coin left, which yep. is great for me. And I have plenty of money going forward. When you buy that, do you get to place it somewhere? Or is that a future turn? Uh, it's a future action. So a free action. Yeah. yeah. So I'll uh, put it for sale. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put it on my advancement track. Okay. Giving you two down there now. Yeah. It's the only way I'm going to get money. <laughs> I declare I pass. Okay. I still have a villager left, and I technically will have free actions left, too. So I'm going to use one of my free actions to reset the houses, because I bought one of them. I don't like any of the other ones. I'm not buying one this turn. Need a uh, lot so of gold. I'll spend a coin. I'll refresh those as my free action. And that's the one I can only do once per turn, technically. So I'm only actually getting... Do I get two turns here, technically? You get as many as you want. Yeah, I do get to keep going. Okay. Yeah. So on my last villager, I'm going to just try to get more gold. Gold. I love that money. So I'm going to send them to labor. And I get one coin by sliding them over to the exert. And that's the end of this turn, yep. technically. And then I have my last turn, which is a free action. I don't think there's anything I can technically do. No, you don't have any goods. I mean, house has already been refreshed for you. Yeah. You're all set. So I will take this time to pass also. All right. We both passed. The round's over. So we'll move that marker down on the caves to two. Yep. And now we get to refresh our villagers. So I have three houses. We both have three houses. We both have three. Yeah. Uh, three beds. Yep. Three beds. Sorry, not three houses. And the one you bought is just for harvest. So yep. I'll move all of my villagers that were exhausting to ready. Leaving your person in the medic. Yep, the medic okay. will stay there. I, too, will bring all my people over. I don't know why I wouldn't. And you get another pair yep. on your house. I get another pair. Go. And I chose not to put that in my reputation board yet. Because I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of pairs. And so I want to wait until I have two other items down there so I can get more points towards the end. But I do lose some money in this current phase. And I do get two coins for my two goods in my advancement track. Uh, the fish and the pair. You get six coins. Uh, Six. Sorry. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, points. Yeah. Those, those are the points at the end of the game that you're talking about. But yeah, so you get the highest advancement track. I get four because yep, I have just, nothing. Just for having. And you get six because you've put two items down there. Correct. And then finally... I think that's it right nope you okay we forgot this part because you you didn't get the you didn't get this when you labored oh yeah so i should have got the cider yes now we're going to slide all of the remaining villagers to the left yep and we're going to placing him a new one. with the new guy all right and then you already did the houses so we don't have to touch them we don't have yeah we don't have to touch those at all do would those have refreshed? No, just a new one gets added. Just, new just one. one would have got added. I added yep. all of them. Okay. And then we put another cider back on the board. So like I said, we decided to set up almost a rigged game. But in this case, it was actually a complete first round. We didn't really have to do anything other than Joe and I talked about what we were going to do first, just so we made sure we hit on all the items. We basically wanted to make sure that we sent two, two villagers on an explorer action wanted to build a house, wanted to harvest. We wanted to train a new villager from the pool and also send someone to labor and then just go over the end of round, which is what we did. And I think that hit pretty much everything you're going to find in the game. Definitely there's going to be a few other options with potions and uh, stuff like that that you're going to see later in the rounds. And also 
when you do explore, there's going to be failures. There's going to be reputation points that get added or subtracted depending on what you do. So just keep all those in mind. Make sure you're looking at that encounter book as you go through things. So now that we've kind of did a few turns, I think this is the first time, Joe, I don't know what your strategy is because usually we play five or six turns and I kind of have an idea of what you're going for. And right now I don't think I know. So what do you do in this game to try to win? This game to me is really fun. You don't have to have a strategy going in. I kind of take the luck of the draw. I'll I'll see how the first few turns go. I like exploring. I mean, there's like 200 something scenarios. Yeah. And just I mean, that's fun. Um I mean, that's the in my opinion, that's like the funnest part of this game. I like to as you saw with the scenario, if I'm able to succeed, right? I got fish. I didn't have to harvest. And that gets me enough to put on the advancement track to at least get me a start. I like that that is a way you can play. I like that if you want to, and you're like, because if, if you're playing in like a three or four player game and you're the fourth player and the first three decide to buy, <laughs> you're left yeah. with one house. That might be expensive. So being able to do the encounter or to train, it just builds you for success later. And I like that it's a constant battle. It's up and down. Personally, I like the encounter book just because I like that. It's fantasy. It's fun to like roll a dice and try. And as you saw, I we manipulated it a little bit, but I actually probably would have done the exact same thing because I saw that there was a builder for really cheap. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't want to let this builder. I want the cool builder and uh, has a bunch of dice rolls and can build. Like that flexibility is what makes this game. Because once you start having like five villagers, being able to go, oh, okay, this one has this many things it can do. This one has this many things. It lets, allows your turn to be like, I don't have to just labor for coin. I yeah. don't have to build. I really like that the villagers can do multiple things technically. Like the builder can build, but they also can explore or train or not train. They can labor. So I like that the as you get, like you said, as you get four or five villagers, you have options. So you're not set. Like even if you bought four builders, you don't have to just build, which is great, which I think is a cool way to make sure that you keep, the game keeps moving. It doesn't kind of get you stuck because like you said, if you have multiple players, the only players, the only villagers left might be builders or the only house might be expensive. And it kind of could pigeonhole you but they do a good job making that not be the case in this game i also like the way they balance it the house or the houses the house with the beds is a good way to mitigate someone who's like i'm just going to keep buying people and then have a, a massive turn that goes on forever but then at the end of the turn they can only get so many back <laughs> there's always a way to kind of catch someone from getting too far ahead and snowballing it's 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 a very balanced game, and I don't feel like we've ever played this and felt too unfair. In fact, every time we've played it, it's always been within a few points. Yeah, and I th we've played it with people who have never played it before, and, I mean, the two of us who have played it, not as much as some of the other games we've covered, but I think you've played this one more than I have, but we've played it more than... It's not our first time doing this. We could have probably done the sample turns without the boards in front of us because we have done it that many times. But it's nice because, like you said, that with the three beds in the beginning, it doesn't matter how good a player is in the start. They're not going to get off to a huge lead right away. 
granted a good player is going to know like what to buy and what to build stuff like that later they're going to probably win at the end of the game but they're not going to feel dominant in the beginning i mean it depends right they can always try to do an encounter and fail and some of the failures are pretty big hits yeah and even some of the succeeds are not that great (laughs) big hits like some of them like if you would have chosen to go over the bridge you lost reputation no matter what win or lose (laughs) yeah like i guess not lose but any win three or five you're losing reputation which then loses you victory points at the end of the game so it's nice that like yeah succeeding doesn't mean you did something good and they did a good job like crossing the bridge or getting in the boat both you could argue is a good way to explore, but there's no way to know like which one to do. Right. I'm curious. Do you have a strategy? I tend to stay above ground. I will explore a little bit. I tend to only get like one or two probably of the underground outposts. I focus on villagers and anything with beds. So if I see a outpost with a bed on it, I'm going for that. So in, in some cases, that does mean I need to make sure I have a cave. So I try to have one cave available to me, but I never stack them up because I know there's a chance I'm not going to use them. So I like to stay above ground, which is a safer strategy potentially, but just getting that coin, getting the victory points for the end of the game and just kind of playing, taking the chance out of it. Because dice roll can do whatever. You never know. It's true. So I just like to stay above ground as much as possible. Go go underground a little bit. A little bit of exploring. Um, but just focusing on getting villagers, getting beds, and then victory points. We were kind of talking before this. We were looking at the game and the setup and stuff. And I wanted to ask you what you thought about it. Because at a very surface level... It's it looks daunting, right? Because there's a lot of pieces. Yeah, it feels a lot like Small World with the setup. So much stuff. It's not. There's not like there's at the end of the day. There's only five things you can do on your turn. It's one of those games, and I think that's why we wanted to put it in this first season. Is that these games? It's a bigger size box. You know, it's a couple inches thick and a, a full twelve by twelve. Yep. For the shelf, those games scare people. They think it's going to be intense. But really, this one is, other than setup, one of the easier games that we're going to cover, probably. I agree. It's only seven rounds. And as you saw, we took that turn not even very fast. Like, if we were playing seriously, honestly, we wouldn't be talking about what we do. We would just be moving (laughs) stuff. And we'd be done in a few minutes. Like, this game, if you after you've played it one time, is super quick. It's super fun. And I like that it's a good, this is a better entry-level game, in my opinion, to this economy, like, city builder style of the next level, right? Yeah. Because, like, we played Machi Koro. Yeah, this game is a lot like Machi Koro when it comes to, you know, building and stuff like that, and you're getting different benefits as you build it. But you have the option to stay away from the dice rolls on, like, Machi Koro. And like you said, yeah, I think it just adds... Maybe maybe not a full step, but like a half step into that more complex game, but still super easy to get into. There's no like steel mechanic. 
like in Machi Coral, my favorite strategy was building and taking my and money. taking money from other players. But in this game, it's just like your own world, your own village. I just like that everything has an aesthetic too. Yeah, it's it's the artwork is looks cool. It looks nice. Red Raven has a very Red Raven's the publisher, right? They have a really unique aesthetic for all their games. And I like it. It's not full cartoony, but it's enough to make it look appealing to the eye. Yeah, for sure. They're colorful, they're vibrant, like you were saying. And I like that everything looks different, but at the same time, you know exactly what you're looking at. Yeah, and it's cool that it's themed, like with the underground stuff being darker, because they're all their caves compared to above ground being the sunny village, stuff like that. Yeah, they did a really good job. The cards, everything is nice. The villagers are thick cardboard, like we've talked about before. Good boards. I mean, the cardboard play mats instead of the paper. The dice are just standard six-sided dice. And... 50 bucks, right? MSRP. Definitely not a not a cheap game, but the replayability is really good. With over 200 encounters, I mean, you can play this game over and over and probably never see the same things. I've seen this on sale for as low as like 30-ish dollars. Oh, for 30, it's almost a pickup instant. I I agree. I mean, $50 seems like a lot, but I honestly in like the market, it's pretty average to like a standard board game. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I picked it up for 50. It, I got it when it was new. Yeah. And we played it day one, and it was good. It was real fun. That 40 to 60 is kind of that just middle area that you expect <laughs> games to be in. But they really have to stand up to that price. I mean, that's the hard part. I mean, I think we talked about that with Horrified, is the MSRP was in that range. Mm-hmm. And you don't question that when you're looking at a board game. But when you open it, you're like, oh, why did I pay that much for this? Like, the game was good. Don't get me wrong. Just the pieces were low end. And in right. this game, that's not the point. I mean, 50 bucks. I wouldn't question that at all on this one. So I think it's cool. This game has a good option to be able to tell a friend to pick it up. I mean, we played Above and Below. There is Near and Far, which obviously is very themed kind of similar instead of above below you going close or far away and then soon they have now or never coming out that just got you know pre-released at gen con i think it's just cool that you can like this game and play and i'm excited to kind of see now or never because it's an or instead of an and so i'm wondering if it's like a choose your own adventure type yeah. of style i mean maybe red raven has a bunch of other options so you can I mean, I think we start with Megaland. Yeah, it's a push your push your luck, push you luck type of game, and then you got this one because Megaland was fun. Yep. And the same reason I bought a different Horrified is like I don't want to buy the exact same game as you because we play together. So this one has a bunch of options like that. There's nothing I would change about the game. Yeah, I mean the only thing you see it in a lot of games and you don't have it in this one, which I think it could have benefited from, is a player cheat sheet. With a oh, list of all the yeah. actions. I think the back of one of the maybe it's the rule book. One of them has like a, a yeah, quick it's, guide, but there's it's a not quick for guide. every player. Yeah, but I think I mean just having a card that has a list of the actions and what they mean and who can do it probably could have been a, a helpful. And maybe it's you know, a three by five index card size instead of a playing card size, but it is pretty rare not to see that, especially a game when you have multiple actions. Yeah, so many choices. 
So, I mean, that's the only thing that I probably would have changed. But, yeah. I know one more thing you'd change. Well, yeah. We've already... I hate those. <laughs> just, like... I just don't know why games are doing this to themselves and to me. Tell me who goes first. They have six different ways if you tie but <laughs> yeah you know how you know who's gonna win this game you just don't have any idea who's gonna start it so yeah that's just a standard i think that's gonna be a a theme for me throughout all of these is just tell me who goes first at the end of the day though highly recommend it i think it's a good one for your collection yeah i think so well i hope you enjoyed this game walkthrough and if it's been a while or if you haven't seen this one i would pick it up or grab it off your shelf and play it soon for upcoming episodes, we're going to open the rule book, kind of a few more like Wingspan and Sheriff of Nottingham. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes. You can find our page on Instagram at where is the rule book or email us at where is the rule book at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating on your podcast app today. This season is sponsored by TC Paintball, local to Traverse City, Michigan. TC Paintball is a paintball, airsoft, tabletop, card, and board game store that excels at bringing in the community to enjoy all of our hobbies. But all of these games are either owned by one or both of us and are not paid sponsorships. Also, to all of our listeners, you can receive 10% off all board games and 15% off the featured board game each month just by mentioning Where is the Rulebook? And a huge thank you to John Ransom for making our theme song and the music you listen to while we're playing the game. And if you love that song as much as we do, check out Jack Pine for more music with John. Thanks for playing.